don't think that you're opening up the industry, but keep it so restricted that 85% of couples have to postpone their weddings because that's what's happened. Our parliamentarians think that it's open. It, we're not open. We're not open for business. This is your opportunity to shine because there are so many people out there who are not communicating effectively with their um, consumers, with their service providers, with their own colleagues. And it's really important now to deliver service at a thousand percent because that is what is going to set you up strategically to be able to continue your business and thrive when the time is right. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Make It Happen show where we're joined by Wendy El Khoury. Wendy is often referred to as the fairy godmother for small business. And in this episode, you can absolutely see why. We talk about how she's been representing the wedding and events industry during this times of crisis. We also talk about what innovative businesses are doing in that industry to not just survive, but thrive. And then we touch on how Wendy sees the future unfolding. What is the wedding and the events industry or all business gonna look like you know, one year, 18 months from now? It's a really great conversation. I know you're gonna love it. Hello, I'm joined here by Wendy El Khoury, who is the founder and director of Wedded Wonderland and also Wonderland Media. So thank you very much for joining us. How are you? I'm well, thank you for having me. Great, you are well amongst all the chaos and the doom and the gloom. Look, I'm having a COVID baby. It's my fifth. So I, oh, I, great. I have to be well, yes. <laughs> Fantastic, well, we, my wife and I have a COVID baby as well in about six weeks, our, only our second oh. will be here. Yeah, so actually, well, <laughs> thank you very much. I remember actually speaking to the obstetrician months and months ago where we're like, this is all gonna be done by then and as it turns out, it won't be. <laughs> so anyway, last six months have been, have been a bit of a journey for you and your industry. You've actually become a real voice for the events and the wedding industry, a real champion for change there. How have you made that happen? We started the Save Our Weddings campaign in March as soon as we realised that the wedding industry was going to be impacted by COVID. There were a whole series of restrictions that started playing out um, across Australia. And very quickly, we thought, oh, my goodness, these guys are not going to have their weddings. What's going to happen to the industry? When are we going to be able to you know, open up once again? And so from day one, we were requesting a roadmap. And this was Australia-wide. We know that we're restricted. You know, During the month of April, you couldn't get married in New South Wales. That's been the case in Victoria for the past six weeks. Oh, it's all about future-proofing the industry. We're a long shelf life industry. It takes 14 months on average to plan a wedding. So we wanted just a little bit of insight in regards to what it will look like to open up. So for the couple that have booked their wedding in October or November, um, and back then in August, for example, what may it look like should you know COVID cases start to drop and other industries start to open up as well. So back in March, you were saying we really need a roadmap here. How did that roadmap come about? What, did you see much of a roadmap? Has it been a clear pathway or, or what's the result been? You know, in certain states, they came out with a, a roadmap quite quickly. Western Australia were fantastic in actually saying, here's a roadmap, stage four, three, two, and one. And this is what we anticipate and here are the dates. And it made it really easy for the industry to be able to future proof um, themselves and also for couples to future plan. So that was a fantastic move by the Western Australian government. In other states, it's been a little bit shaky. There has been a bit of variety between the uh, different states, that's for sure. Uh, it, it's surprising, yeah, like people just wanting certainty, as much certainty as, as you can get in these current times, but just something to plan around is so important, but does seem to have been something that so many, you know, not to name any names or any states, but so many people haven't gotten right. 
Absolutely. And I think initially we didn't know what the impact of COVID was going to be. We thought every second person was going to, you know, have this virus and, um, and everyone was in lockdown. My husband went and bought every, you know, toilet paper roll he could find. It was very, um, you know, the anxiety was there and we really didn't know how it would impact us. First and foremost, most, if you think of flight and flight, people think about their health and their well-being. You know, so we were like, right, weddings have stopped. Let's just think about how to stay healthy. Now that we're six months in, everyone's like, right, we've, we've gone through the first wave. There's been a second wave and, uh, and cases that, you know, have the whole restrictions in New South Wales have been around keeping the curve flat. The curve has remained flat since the last restrictions came out. So now what? Are we just going to stay effectively restricted until there's a vaccine? We need some answers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because even that is so uncertain. And even actually, so we actually just did a piece of research, right, where we, we surveyed almost a thousand uh, small and medium business owners um, on a whole range of topics. And one of them was, if a vaccine comes out, would you take it? And uh, one fifth said never. And another 15% said not for at least another year. And so it's like, so yeah, we're all saying, or a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, when the vaccine comes out, everything can get back to normal. But you know, even then it's going to take a long time for, for people to even accept that, if at all. So we're in for a long road here. So if we work around Australia right now. So obviously for your, your industry, Victoria is still the most challenged. Um, is there, you know, shoots of recovery across the other states? Definitely. I mean, we had Western Australia announce yesterday that they were going into budget surplus. So it's amazing and extraordinary that they effectively have continued to operate almost business as usual during this time. Um, they were impacted for, you know, approximately two months there. Um, and uh, the wedding industry primarily works around a nine-month cycle. Uh, winter is the is quietest. So we had a little bit of leeway. You know, June, July, August, generally it has a little bit more downtime. And that's why so many people were waiting for that announcement in Victoria, in New South Wales, in Queensland, you know, saying, okay, let us know if spring summer events can take place. I mean, we have spring racing coming up in Victoria, which is such a big, um, you know, such a big deal for the economy. What can we do to celebrate spring racing? What can we do to celebrate weddings? What can we do to celebrate events? You know, and don't restrict, don't think that you're opening up the industry, but keep it so restricted that 85% of couples have to postpone their weddings because that's what's happened. Our parliamentarians think that it's open. It, we're not open. We're not open for business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd I really would love to dig into how businesses could navigate through those challenging kind of situations where you know rules are in place, they can't operate like they used to. But before we get to that, and before we move on from you know rallying a whole group of people or a whole industry around a cause, like how do you go about doing something like that? Is it were you in a very lucky position that you you have a huge social media following, or did you do, need to do new things to really rally people around the cause? Well, I think that you need to have a very, very simple concept that resonates with everyone, whether it's the consumer, whether it's the business, or even just, you know, I had somebody stop me at David Jones the other day and say, oh, you're the Save Our Weddings girl. So, and this was <laughs> somebody serving me. So it resonates with everyone. And so we came up with a really clear and very simple um, tagline for everyone to jump on board and say, right, we want to save our weddings. This means for everybody, for the person who's attending the wedding, as much as for the you know, the um, uh, family friend who wants to be able to um, participate as well as, the, you know, the couple getting married and, of course, the business owners. We obviously have a very large social media platform and 
really for me, I felt uber responsible. I thought, you know what? We work between the industry and the consumer. We always have. I need to step up and say something. We don't have an official lobby group for the wedding industry. There is nobody representing us in parliament. Really? How many other industries would be like that? You know, there are so many micro entrepreneurial industries and subsets that fall between the cracks. So the wedding industry, by definition, has always people have always thought, okay, it's privately owned venues and maybe dress designers. But you have to think of to pull a wedding together. You've got the beauty industry, hospitality, fashion, retail, entertainment, the entertainment market, these uh, contractors, these casual employees that have just been completely, you know, forgotten in this process. And so many of them are just solo operators or, or small solo teams. Operators. Yeah, true entrepreneurs. No job yeah, okay. Well done for, for being the champion for them. So you so you so it's a, a clear cause. It's catchy. People can rally around it. Um, you know, how did you start getting? Did you how did you get media to listen? How did you get people to start paying attention? Look, media was always a really difficult play because as soon as weddings started um, effectively getting shut down or. Um, you know, service providers couldn't uh, follow through with contractual agreements. The media was really centered around focusing on couples that were taking businesses to court. And this, you know, venue doesn't want to give this deposit back and people are losing thousands of dollars. And so it was very centered around the the 1% of what was happening as opposed to these, you know, couples that really, I mean, who gets engaged and thinks, okay, well, yes, I'm going to spend my wedding planning journey taking my service providers to court or you know the industry not wanting to, to actually follow through with the wedding this was regulation nobody ever it was a win it was a lose-lose scenario so um initially media I had a lot of you know the the big players calling me saying do you know any couples that are really struggling and have been you know have had money stolen from them and I said I'm not talking about that that's not the that's story not, yeah that's not the story the story is about the save our wedding it is about all of the different um businesses that work under this umbrella as well as all of the consumers that, you know, the average spend on a wedding um, in Australia is over $65,000. This is somebody's income for an entire year. So it's real and it really um, has impacted so many people. So it took a while for media to catch on. Actually, news.com.au were the first to contact me just a couple of weeks ago to say, can you actually put a piece together about what the Save Our Weddings campaign is really all about? And from there, I've been on Sunrise, I've been on Kiss, spoke to Gladys Berejiklian and had a few other people jump on um, to be able to run the story around the Save Our Weddings campaign. Prior to that, unfortunately, it was more it was more about the, the who's stealing money from whom, which we don't want to engage. We don't want businesses to, you know, def- we don't want to defame anyone. Well, well done on changing the narrative. It might have been a long time and probably very painful, but you've done it. So that, that's really good. And I think it is... Um... Yeah, it's, it's representative of what we all want. Like we all want a bit of certainty. We want to be able to make plans. People want to be able to you know, know when they're going to go on holidays, know when they're going to get together. So yeah, being a lightning rod for that is well done. You know, I think you're doing a good job for all of us. So despite all the changes, all the challenges, we've certainly seen a number of business owners that have said, hey, I know it's tough, but I'm going to think of it innovatively. I'm going to do some different things. Um, I know you've seen some great examples of that. Are there a couple that really spring to mind, businesses that have, have, despite all the doom and gloom, have changed and done some great stuff? Absolutely. I think the opportunities around uh, events in Australia, generally speaking, is that people are not travelling. 
So local destination weddings, local destination events, local honeymoons, staycations. You know, we've just been, the bushfires feel like a million years ago, but it was actually just at the start of the year. And so many um, rural um, and, you know, country towns were really impacted by this. So we've seen a few people create some incredible packages and offerings around that local destination, um, being able to take your family away for the weekend, having a beautiful wedding. And um, we're really trying to drive that through our platform and encourage people to do that um, because we see it as an opportunity for Australians. So that's exciting. Um, we also are seeing people want to celebrate within their own home. So the um, hiring of products, um, uh, florals, for example, now having um, uh, installations of florals that can last an entire month or a year within your house. So encouraging florists to kind of think about longevity, um, uh, dry hire companies to hire out for a little bit longer. And people are feeling, are looking at their homes now and thinking, I want to be able to host people here. I want to, you know, transform this into an event space. What can I do? So yeah, encouraging that some too. Of these yeah. Are some of these uh, trends going to continue for the next year, two years and beyond? Like, do you think some people will say, hey, this is a really good idea. It'd be, it's fantastic to deck out my home for my wedding and have it look beautiful for the next month. Do you think this will continue? You know how you see photos of our parents' generation getting married and having like, you know, the aunties made, you know, the, the <laughs> overly sugar-coated <laughs> cake. Um, wedding cake and you know you've got the the short the mini wedding dress with the big veil and the bridesmaids with flowers from the garden we are seeing this come back we're seeing families really embracing that celebration at home and I think for those who have a boutique mentality and for those who really just wanted to focus on the essence of um, gathering with family and friends that's going to continue um, people are doing different seatings um, for weddings and for their um, bridal shower my brother had his wedding a couple of weeks ago we have two rooms, one for the family, one for the friends. Um, so Respectable room, not so respectable room. <laughs> yeah, but we couldn't really, you know, COVID marshal, so nobody could really move. But actually, um, it was something that so many people thought, oh, you know what, that's not a bad idea. I can kind of have a party room and you do the formalities here. And, you know, people are doing things in two seatings as well. So they're having like a you know, a bridal shower in the morning for family and then bringing their friends along in the afternoon with the same seating. You know, th there is definitely an element of creativity and the element of, oh, I actually have control over how I can celebrate. Yeah, there's always opportunity. That's, I mean, that's what we love seeing as well. Like, no matter what's going on um, for, for the smart business owners, the ones that are willing to think a bit differently, there's always some opportunity, whether it's like changing how you get to your customers. Yeah, those are great examples as well. So, okay, there's some new constraints in place. How do we operate within that? What about, um, what about any suppliers servicing different customer segments? Have they managed to sort of say, hey, I normally do weddings, but I've broken into another area. Any examples of that? Yep. So we have uh, one supplier called Harborside Decorators who primarily focused on the private event market in terms of um, furniture hire um, and, uh, and uh, tableware and all that kind of thing. And now they're actually um, going into homes and staging houses. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. In real estate, yeah. So we've actually seen that switch and um, and they're doing an incredible job. And I think, you know, so many people who have a product that actually sits within one particular market, we've had um, suppliers who generally do parties and, uh, and, and uh, props and decorations and that kind of things who've been creating almost like a party in a box to deliver to people's homes that their kids can play with. We had that happen over Easter. We'll probably see it over Christmas. I mean, Halloween. You know, people are not going to be door knocking on Halloween. 
and <laughs> no way. Right? So like how can people celebrate Halloween at home? So it's all of those kinds of things. Um, incorporating that into a food offering. So we're now seeing breakfast boxes, event boxes, um, going to people's homes, corporate from a corporate perspective. Um, I know my sister Wolf works in the corporate event market and she's been sending, you know, cocktail shakers to people's houses and doing complete settings as if they're at an event. We had a um, we had a, we had a dinner, or rather, it was supposed to be a dinner a um, couple of weeks ago uh, for some of our really premium members, and it was going to be all of us come together from around the country, have a really premium dinner, and of course, that was not happening. And so um, we found a, a local bar that did um, gin tasting kits, and so they sent out everyone got their gin tasting kit with their tiny little like six or seven little bottles of gin. And we all jumped on Zoom and, uh, and the guy took us through, you know, the history of gin and the different styles. And it was actually, it was excellent. It was lots of fun. And he, and I, I said to him, are you going to continue doing this um, post-COVID and when things open back up? He's like, absolutely. It's a really great new offering for us. It, it gives us more reach. It's not just waiting for people to come through the door. And so, yeah, examples of that, I think, are um, inspiring to see and hopefully people remember them moving forwards. Uh, so let's actually talk about moving forwards. Like so, so when we've touched on it a little bit, but as um, as things open back up, uh, and uh, how do you see it going for the events and wedding industry over the next say 12, 18 months? If you had your crystal ball and it was super clear, like what do you see the next year and a half looking like? I think we're going to see two different types of scenarios play out. One is there are a lot of people out there who really want to party, <laughs> so we're going <laughs> yeah. to be seeing. And we're going to be seeing quite extraordinary um, parties. On that, I've been I've been saying that the Roaring Twenties are really, really going to kick off in 2021. It's, just, it's going to be excellent. <laughs> it's war mentality. We, we've been in lockdown. We haven't been able to go out and about and really, you know, experience celebration. It's been a different mindset. So I think as soon as those doors open, and it was so funny because at the start of the year, I actually spoke at one of our events and said, the Roaring Twenties are here from a style and aesthetic perspective. Who knew it would be here from a mindset standpoint? So um, that's that's what we're heading into, absolutely. And then there will be others who have really recognised, you know, what and had to do some self-reflection on what their core values are from a business perspective, from a personal standpoint, where their money is going. I think people are going to be a lot savvier with where they're investing. They realise that, you know, economically, um, you know, uh, there are going to be shifts and, uh and so what is going to keep these businesses alive and also people investing in property versus going on a holiday, for example, you know, there's going to be a shift in mindset around spend for sure. Yeah, and I think it's one of the interesting things that we no one's going to know for ages is like how, how long term is the change in our thinking from this whole situation? Yeah, are people going to be more conservative for a very long period of time are we going to see or are we going to see like you alluded to there a splintering of like some people are going to be like right let's throw off the shackles nothing's going to stop us now <laughs> and then you're going to have other people um and i think even in that creates a lot of great opportunity for you know the suppliers you work with or, and the people planning weddings it's like there might be a little bit more choice coming through it's like it, maybe everything was a little bit more homogenous prior and now it'll be like well you might be the this way or this way? Well, tr traditionally, we're a face-to-face -face industry. And so we've now seen, you know, uh, designers doing fittings through Zoom um, and meetings taking place that way. And we always, everyone, you know, every supplier you would speak to um, in the industry would say, no, we need people to come in. We need to have that emotional connection with them. We can't sell 
over email, digital is not really for us. Guess what? Now it has to be. And I think that's so many, we're running a couple of online courses about the importance of having a, a presence and not seeing it as secondary online. You have to be as engaging online as you have been offline. Otherwise your business will not survive in any capacity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's also, it's sped up the adoption uh, of like online services for the for the laggard industries, of which, you know, ha- having a big background in hospitality, I think hospitality has taken a long time to really leverage, um, you know, online presence, doing things, that's a great example, fittings, wedding dress fittings, who would have thought that that would ever happen, but you're forced to do it now, and that's going to have a lot of opportunity. We, I mean, we've seen a similar example uh, for us, like there's yeah, it's certainly been a very challenging period for a lot of the business owners that are in the entourage. It's, it's helping them navigate that. But seeing how they change their operations, how we've changed our operations, we've, we've traditionally been a very, very heavy face-to-face training business. Um, and, you know, we always we always live streamed the stuff that we did, but it was, it was you know, kind of back of the room and, and a bit secondary to the workshops going on. Of course, now we have to be going all in on live stream. And, um, and for our interstate members, they're like, this is fantastic. Like, yes, I love seeing you guys and I want to come back and see everyone and connect, but but I don't necessarily want to do that in a workshop setting. And so, you know, moving forwards, we'll be thinking about, um, it's actually almost clean slate, right? We can say, hey, we, we've got this new way of delivering education that's really working. Everyone needs to connect. Everyone wants to come together. But if you're going to ask yourself what's the best way to do that, it's not to bring them together to sit in a, in a workshop all day. It's probably to get them on a boat and go and have a lot of fun and, and really, really connect in that kind of way. So it'll change how we all operate, I think. But there's a different experience at every level. Like what we've realised, we've had to completely adopt a whole new strategy around um, our product offering. And we initially launched our online courses and thought, you know, we had over 100 people sign up prior thinking, you know, everyone's going to jump on this. Now's the time. Everyone's sitting at home and went, nothing's happening. What's going on? So we had to... Um, film additional things that we felt like, okay, we're more in line with people's mindset now, break it up from a price point perspective. I think that's super important. So we've got like a boot camp now, which is like $39 a week. And we're finding that so many more people are like, oh, there's part payments. I can do it in my own time. Um, I feel like I've completed something at the end of it. I think during this time, a sense of completion and ticking something off your list is so important. And we've been offering a whole bunch of freebies. You know, for us, it's like that lower level stuff that we think people know or we think that they um, are aware that we do and they just don't, you know, we haven't made it abundantly clear enough. You only, And you only know that stuff because you've been in the industry for so long. And Yeah, great. You, so you're going back to your education roots. You're going, going all, all full circle. E-books. We've had a whole series of free e-books and then a couple of them which have a, a bit more substance that are like 30 or 40 pages long. And it's content that's on our website. It's stuff that... Again, like I said, it's just repurposing things to make it relevant for right now, what people need to know. And one of them is like a COVID wedding um, planner. The other one's a COVID survival guide for businesses. It's things like that, that really low level, that is a kind of a no-brainer. And it gives people a bit of a touch point. Like I said, oh, I've just read that. I finished that. I've got some points to follow through with and I can move forward because it's so hard to plan right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so on a very, very micro point here, because this is a question that we had for on an, on an event that we had yesterday. It was a professional services firm, and they're like, "How do I create these interesting eBooks and lead magnets and stuff for a service?" And, and you've actually just touched on a couple of examples there. What are your thoughts around this? It is the best lead generator. It's an opportunity to be able to talk to, and we've had people download it that I'm like, 
I didn't know that person was like following us or was interested in what we were doing. You get people from other markets who, which you're not, you know, we've had interior designers, um, some graphic designers, you know, that kind of probably work within the a private event market and touch on some of the points that we focus on. So you don't know who you're engaging with until you actually open up the opportunity for communication and and give an offer. You have to, you know, almost like extend that branch and see who takes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, I love that when we put out different lead magnets and, you know, I get right into our marketing funnels as well. You're like, oh, look who just downloaded that. Yeah. Look who just opted into that. I'm ha, one ha, of those ha. people. I'm like literally going through the list every day. And it's so it's exciting because you're seeing something happening, right? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think um, another, an unintended consequence of this and so many people getting online so quickly and then you know, surely the, the online landscape is going to become even more competitive and, and there might even be a little bit of fatigue coming out of it. I mean, I love talking to you on Zoom or on video conference right now, but I tell you what, once we don't have to do quite as many video conferencing, I'm going to be face-to-face meetings as much as I possibly can. Do you think there's going to be a little, is there either fatigue or just super, super competitive online now that everyone's operating on there? Well, now it's a level playing field. You know, when I speak about Instagram specifically, there is a huge amount of fatigue around that platform because a lot of people feel like they're going backwards in numbers. The engagement isn't as high. Um, they don't know what to share anymore. And so we are seeing that so many people are using that platform in particular the way that they were three years ago and expecting the same response. There is um, These platforms continue to evolve. Unless you evolve with them and you keep the conversation going and relevant, context they say content is king, context is king. You know, context is what really will set you apart. And that's how you kind of keep the momentum unique to what your offering is. Otherwise, you're constantly looking at what your competitors are doing and going, they just, you know, we should have thought of that and we're not getting as much engagement or what's happening over here. It's a never ending story, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that yeah, there's a good point, like understanding that you need to keep on evolving because the platform's absolutely evolving and that is the biggest challenge. I mean, but yeah, we've, all, we've been stuck in that trap. So many business owners that we know have been stuck in that trap. They're like, I used to do it this way. I'm still doing it that way and it's not working as well. And, and just being aware that like everyone else is out there doing it at the moment. So you've got to stay ahead of the game. Is, uh, is really important. Yeah, so great. All right, I've got a, um, I've got a couple more questions to ask you that, that I haven't seen and you, of course, have not seen. Uh, we've got probably about four or five here that we are, uh, look, I say that we try and get it done in a minute, but we, we never, ever, ever do. So, um, so yeah, I've got five, five questions here and then, and then we can probably wrap on a couple of final thoughts after these as well. All right, so you ready to make this happen in under a minute-ish? First one is, what's the number one skill you think business owners need to develop in 2020? Uh, online communication. Yep. Yeah, so really connecting with your customer on all the different online channels, whether it be social media, email, all that kind of stuff. And tying it all together. So taking a multi-channel approach to your online um, presence, not just thinking you're going to get everything through Instagram or Facebook or newsletter. It's about how it all talks to each other. So, All right. Fantastic. Next question. What's one skill that you wish you could learn? I never worked in hospitality in a kitchen. And I feel like that's one thing that I always wish that I could relate to and um, a skill that I, that I feel like fundamentally so many people use for the rest of their life. So you've got that, but I don't. <laughs> there you go. You feel like you need some more burns on your fingers. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, number three, what does your morning routine look like? I have four children under seven. Um, so chaos. So it is 
<laughs> incredibly chaotic. Yeah. Just, I try and get everything done the night before. So my morning routine actually flows nicely, but it never, it never goes according to plan really. I can, well, with, yeah, as I said, with only one at the moment and the other one here, it's, there's still a curveball with four for you. I can, I can't even imagine what the mornings are like. <laughs> I do still check into our Google Analytics. I check our Facebook. I do check email. So I do that at like 5.30 a.m. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say, you must be up pretty early to get to get that done. All right. Uh, before you settled on the name Wedded Wonderland, what other names did you come up with? Oh, my goodness. I had um, a name called The Mannequin. Um, the Mannequin? Yes, because I thought that different people can adopt different personas through what a mannequin can be. And so I wanted to talk about, um, because no two weddings are alike, no two couples are alike. And so that was something that I was looking at. That's such a left field. No one's ever asked me that question, actually. No, no. Well, and uh, maybe you can keep that in your back pocket for the next business, the next thing you think of. I should have called it Wedding Wonderland because then from a SEO perspective, it would have been better. There's ah, but back then... Yeah, but back then, were you even thinking about SEO? So, but no, very good tip, actually. <laughs> All right, so last question I've got here, and then I've also got another one from me as well. Um, so if a business owner wants to break into the events industry, uh, despite COVID and all the challenges and the restrictions, what's the one thing they should do to make that happen? Experience. Yep. Okay, and, ha- and how do you think they should get that? Yeah. Sure. So right now, people are so focused on um their what's their left feeling when they um uh, walk away from an event so you need to think about the experience of your product as opposed to the actual product mm, gotcha okay so if i if someone wanted to break in it's like where could you give a fantastic experience how do you really ramp that up and that's your entree into the industry despite all the chaos that's it despite awesome. everything and then so last question from me is you know, for, I mean, you're probably actually saying this all day, every day, but to your, the people that follow you, the people in your industry, what would be your words of encouragement or guidance? Like, what would you say to them to, to keep their, you know, their heads up and um, keep on progressing as things open up? I think you need to think about um, the couples and the scenario that you're in in terms of the limbo process that the industry has been in for the past six months ensure that you service every single one of those guys because they have been through absolute turmoil as you have. And that is the legacy of your business. So don't think I just need to get through it and I can't wait for these couples to go away. And, you know, I can't wait for this to be over. This is your opportunity to shine because there are so many people out there who are not communicating effectively with their um, consumers, with their service providers, with their own colleagues. And it's really important now to deliver service at a thousand percent because that is what is going to set you up strategically to be able to continue your business and thrive when the time is right. Excellent. Wendy, those are fantastic words of advice. Um, thanks for the conversation today. I really enjoyed just covering off everything you've done. I think you've been doing great work and, and you're obviously you know a well-deserved champion for your industry. So thank you very much for joining the Make It Happen Show and sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. Let's hope we get somewhere. Save our weddings, Australia. <laughs> Absolutely, we will. All right, thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Make It Happen Show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And it doesn't need to end there. We've actually gone and grabbed a whole bunch of extra resources for you. Behind the scenes footage, videos from this and all the other episodes, as well as show notes that you can grab for free. Just head along to www.the-entourage.com 
podcast and you can grab all those extra resources. Thanks for tuning in and I cannot wait to introduce you to our next guest on the next episode.